All right, welcome back to Full Seam Ahead. The Astros are in first place in the American League West as of the time we are recording. Right now, half game up on the Angels, just coming off of a three-game sweep of the Minnesota Twins. And Lorenzo, the Astros are on a 10-game winning streak. Oh, my gosh. They're just on a tear right now. And you just love to see these boys having fun out there, you know, sweeping the Mariners at home, having a seven-game winning streak at home with the whole fans there. And then to take it to Minnesota and to the Twin Cities and being able to sweep with our former Astro teammate being on the bench, seeing all the fun that we're having that he's missing. But, um, yeah, great series for us. We really thought it was going to be a pitching duel. Nope, it was not even close to doing that. And the Astros' offense was just dominating, man. It was was fascinating to see. Absolutely. So we'll break down that uh, Minnesota series here in a sec, then we'll get on to a preview. But stay tuned, because today on Full Seam Ahead is our first ever interview. You're not going to want to miss it, because it is with Mr. Bobby Dynamite himself. If you don't know Bobby Dynamite, he is the conductor of the train in Minute Maid Park. It goes back and forth up there above the outfield wall after each home each home run and every home every win at home. Uh, and we had an awesome interview with him, so you definitely want to stay tuned uh, to hear some of those awesome stories from him. Uh, but as we get there, like I said, we're going to go first through our recap of the Minnesota game. How about Justin Verlander? No, like he is not missing out anything, dude. Like he has been tearing it up and we've already talked about it from all the other episodes talk about jv coming back from tommy john and you know be being up in age two and he's still showing he still got it eight innings pitch one hit he carried a no hitter into the eighth inning but of course fucking yankee or you know former (laughs) yankee joe urshela um, just gave up that one hit, two walks, five strikeouts. I mean, Justin Verlander was on a tear, and he had a mission of trying to get, I want to believe it is his fourth no-hitter he would have gotten. I, I can't remember yeah. off the tip of my hat. But, I mean, just, yeah, just having another no-hitter under his belt and trying to catch Nolan Ryan's seven no-hitters, which is probably impossible. But, uh, yeah, JV just shutting it down and continuing to impress us each and every time he's on the mound. Yeah, he, he was incredible. And the, the craziest thing is he did that on 89 pitches. Yeah, I mean, he could have continued. And that's the thing. I mean, I thought he would have. He was on a pitch Dusty, count. I know, I know. And I was like, Dusty, come on, just, you know, I understand we were winning, what, 5-0? And you, this, yeah. this is a shutout. We haven't had a shutout since 2019. A pitcher carry a shutout. And I'm like, okay. Which I understand, you know, he's gone through Tommy John. We're just trying to monitor his arms. He's 39. And that too. So, I mean, I completely understand. But no way that we just got the win and being able that offense continuing to put a tear on it. Yeah, and and, and the defense was great behind JV. Um, Pena made a couple great plays. Your Don made a crashing catch uh, in in left field to to come home with one. It was was a good game across the board. Definitely, and it was a Uh great – uh, game going into game two as well. Absolutely, which brings us to game two. Uh, it was kind of a shaky start for Jose Arquiti. I mean, it was. It was. Again, it was. I, I think he was getting he was getting outs, but he he was getting hit pretty hard. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean that first inning it wasn't going too well for him, but it kind of looked like he was 
starting to like you know find his groove after that first inning and that's i've i've just seen through this season your kitty's been like that with the toronto game he was doing the same thing and then kind of got into a groove um you know luckily this offense just continues to help him and we've talked about that he's two and one and the offense has been a big help when it comes to him pitching every game and um and it showed, even though the game got suspended because of a tornado, you know, sirens and everything like that coming into the Twin Cities, bad rain and everything. But it continued on to yesterday and 12 o'clock. And God, I mean, the Astros were just putting a tear after that Twins just scored that one run. They just started just hitting the ball and tearing the, just yeah, everything off the ball, man. It was just it was good to see, you know, it started off with Tucker. And then next thing you know the whole lineup starts hitting it. It was good to see that our offense is continuing to stay on fire. Yeah, I was, you know, we, we left the game on on Wednesday night. It gets suspended going into the fourth inning. Astros are up five to one, thinking five runs. It's been kind of difficult for us to get five runs in a game consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to max out there? And, you know, you always worry when you have that, when you do those suspended games or, or delayed postponed games like that. You worry about the productivity of the offense, right? You know, not just like, that, but the pitching too. I'm just trying right. to stay warm. And you know, Abreu had a shaky what second inning of pitching when he was pitching. But yeah. luckily, you know, our offense helped out our bullpen and um, made it easier for them. Yeah, no, the I thought the the bullpen performed really well today, and you know, definitely not not I mean, the they easiest did. of situations. Oh, especially um, but, you know, yeah. But Abreu and Maton both throwing two innings and holding it down was, was super, super important. Um, let the bullpen mostly stay together. You know, we're not going to have to see any, you know, complicated shifting moving forward in, into the rest of this road trip um, because of that. I thought Stanek maybe a little nervous a couple times, uh, but overall, overall solid. And then, and then Hector Neris just, just continues to impress, man. That I'm not surprised if he could get into the All-Star as a reliever, him and maybe Presley too, but Hector Neris has been doing an oh. outstanding job Between ever Neris since Presley was out. Montero, and even Blake Taylor's got a sub-1 ERA right now. He's, yeah, I think I mean, T- Taylor's at .82. Neris is at .6. Montero's, I think, .94. Um, those guys are are absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, and Stanek's not bad with the 1.69. The only one no, is not at all. You, we would have not even thought Phil Mason would have a 3.14. But, you know, it's um, it's a great thing to see that this bullpen's still shutting it down. I remember in the beginning of the offseason, our bullpen was like one of the major upgrades that we needed to make. And we thought Kendall Graveman would stay with us, but he found his side into going to Chicago. And uh, Brooks Rayleigh Brooks takes Rayleigh. out to Tampa. And uh, we're like, wow, okay, well, who's going to fill this hole? And Rafael Montero's like, hold my beer. You know, I, I got this for y'all. You know, y'all traded for me in Seattle. I'm going to come over here and shut shit down for y'all. And he has been doing that. Outstanding move by James Click by getting Hector Neris from Philadelphia. And, um, I mean, this bullpen's doing outstanding right now. Yeah, it is. It's part of a greater overall effort from the Astros pitching staff. And we got some crazy stats for you guys here in a little bit. Uh, but it's for right now, uh, and it's part of the second, the second part of the doubleheader today, uh, game three, getaway game out of Minnesota. Astros win five to nothing. Another another repeat 
uh, score. Last week we had, what was it, three games in a row that were three to two. And then yeah, we had, three, two, three, two. Yep. And then we had two back to back, five to nothing, something like that. Um, here we are again. <laughs> That's another great game. And um, Jeremy Pena, three for three out of the two hole. I like him there, honestly. I don't know how you, with, and obviously today in that second game, Brantley and Yuli were both out. But I like getting Pena in action at the, at the toward the top of the lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, think? he was he was doing good in the leadoff hole in spring training yeah, and even, you know, in the beginning of the season. Um, but, yeah, even plugging him in that two-hole. But the thing with Dusty, you know, Michael Brantley's a great, you know, hitter. You know, yeah. that's a professional hitter that you don't know what you're going to do with. And it kind of, like, mentally it kind of, like, thinks, how can we, like, plug this guy in right here? How can we plug this guy in right here? You know Dusty. Dusty's going to continue to, like – figure out ways to plug their guys in and um Pena being in that two hole for this game I mean three for three and continuing to stroke the ball I mean it was a good thing to see from this guy yeah it was and I I think if you know obviously when in the normal lineup you're probably not gonna put Pena at, at the two hole but I do like him but they've had him at the nine a couple times I, I like having him at him, him at, at nine hole to help turn the lineup over I, I think that that's nice having, having him and Altuve going back to back like that. Um, that's pretty nice. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it gives a speed too. I mean, Pena yeah. still he has a thirty point zero like four speed. I think I saw last stat, and that's like elite level speed in the MLB. Him and Jose Siri. So um, having him in that nine hole too. Yeah, I agree. Him and Chaz McCormick, I think, is a great nine hole piece because they could turn the lineup around. And we've seen how Chaz had done with Altuve out when he had that hamstring injury. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even giving Pena that chance to be in that two-hole can help out a lot. Yeah, for sure. And we know Pena came out of the game in the uh, like seventh inning with what they what the Astros are calling right knee discomfort. Um, mm-hmm. He's day-to-day right now. We'll see. Hope Maybe even by the time you guys are listening to this, we've gotten more of a clarification on what that means. Uh, obviously, that word, that word discomfort, we never like to hear that. Um, no, especially in the knee area, dude. That's mm-mm. like not even the right place to have it. But Dusty said it was day to day kind of thing um, that he's going to probably sit the first game out in Washington and then they probably go from there to evaluate. Jeremy Pena talked to the media, too, and he said it wasn't nothing really big, nothing serious. But of course, they want to take precautions on, you know, on stuff like that. They obviously did that with Presley, sure. giving him the 10, I, 10 day IL and, um, you know, hopefully we don't see that stint with Jeremy. Yeah, no, hopefully not at all. Uh, but by the time all the dust settles in Minnesota, the Astros walk away with another three wins. And again, we're in first place in the American League West. And I, I got to tell you, it's good to be back in our oh, good yeah, to be back in our rightful place. <laughs> oh, yes, it's our throne that we always stay at. But um, game three, we forgot to mention Luis Garcia, man. Luis Garcia oh, yeah. continues to pitch just – Nine hell of a job. Five matches another ties his career high again, and uh, you know ninety five pitches with sixty strikes. I mean, this kid just continues and continues to show that he's an ace. He could be an ace, and um, he's a real good piece for us in our in our uh, starting rotation. I mean, he's already bumped his ERA down to like a two point nine three. I want to say, and um, yeah, I mean it was great to see. Luis Garcia continued to do his domination in his pitching role. And then the biggest story of them all, we get two your dogs. 
to yes. your dongs. Your daddy continues to hack the ball, and he hits one to dead center and to left center. I mean, this man isn't pulling the ball. He is sending them out to the furthest part of the yard. And um, so don't let the, don't let this man get hot. Do not yeah. let this man get hot. That puts him at, the other. Go that ahead. puts him at ten home runs. He's one behind Judge for the lead in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So I mean, and and this guy and could Judge, do it all, man. And uh, Judge plays in a Mickey Mouse ballpark that's only two hundred and fifty feet to right field. So exactly. And <laughs> um, just Jordan, just this man is an athlete. We y'all thought he just hits bombs and everything. This man. Beat out a, um, it was a double play, so it was a fielder's choice. Got across to first real quick, and um, the home run robbery. I mean, this man, everybody underestimates yeah. him in left field, and we know he has some WD forty knees, and we don't want him <laughs> to get hurt and everything like that. But I mean, he just continues to show everybody he's he could play left field with or without Brantley there, and um, you know, it makes us it kind of makes Astro fans feel a little little better because if Michael Brantley decides to leave, we could plug Jordan there, and then next thing you know, we got another gap to fill in the DH. Right. Or, you know, we flip-flop with our outfielders and uh, try to figure out what we could do. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jordan just tearing the ball. And then we forgot to also mention Jerry Pena just continuing to stay hot, man. I mean, the last nine games, this kid is hitting 448 with 10 RBIs. 10 RBIs in nine games, I mean, that's pretty impressive. From a seven and eight hole hitter. Yep. And so. I think three of those were from yesterday's game or, or Wednesday's game that got finished up on Thursday. I mean, and he he he, he drove in three runs uh, on on Wednesday before the game got rained out. And and he just his situational hitting is is so good. And he's also Pena is starting to hit the slider. And he, yeah, he's I mean starting. that last pitch. Go ahead. That last pitch was um sorry about that, man. That last pitch was um yeah, it was a slider. He had a good at bat, quality at bat with a three-two count with the bases low. And they continued throwing him that slider, that fastball, and he just kept fouling it off, fouling it off. And then next thing you know, he just pokes it a right field in the gap. Well, not in the gap, but you know, shallow right. And um, I mean it was it was beautiful to see, man. Yeah, it it was, and just his poise at the plate, and I, I feel like we've been saying that all season at this point. That his he just looks like a veteran in the way that he approaches the plate and the way he um, just chooses his pitches. He's just got such a mature approach, and and you know that's a testament to the clubhouse. That's a testament to the clubhouse and and those guys that um, prepare him and and have taught him so well. Uh, but definitely a good asset right now. Yes. You think it hurt? How do you think Correa felt sitting on the bench for this series? Ah, <sighs> I mean. He's trying to collect cash first mm. off. So I don't know how he thinks about that. Um, I wouldn't be hurt. I mean, he, he chose that path, which I mean, yeah. we cannot complain because he did everything. Like we said, he did everything for Houston and he was always there to step up for us. But, you know, to see the guys on the other team continue to hit and continue to win ball games, I think he's happy for us first off yeah, too. So. But the second time too, I mean, you know, you would like to play in that series against your former team. And it's kind of like goes back to that George Springer, same thing. George Springer, his first series with the Astros was hurt on the bench. You know, I guess 
time changes and Correa is the same way. He just, you know, unfortunate time he gets hit in the finger and, you know, thank God it wasn't a fracture for him too. Yeah. For because sure. that would have been really serious for him and his uh, free agency campaign for this coming off season. Yeah. But uh, definitely good. I'm glad I mean, we got some good videos the other day of Correa and the Astros kind of interacting and talking, you know, it definitely kind of makes you think of those times. It seems oh, so yeah. far ago, but really weren't that far long ago. I mean, um, when him and Altuve had hugged and, you know, hugged it down and everything, that was like a one of them tear moments. I was like, damn. Yeah. But the, the biggest, the, the coolest thing I thought was him getting his gold glove trophy and the platinum glove trophy, and he brought it to uh, Joe Spada to take a picture with. Oh, I don't did know you really? I've seen it. See yeah, I don't know. You've seen Yeah, he had gotten both awards. He was holding his gold glove, and he gave a spot of the uh, platinum glove award. And they both took a picture. I think Correa even gave him a platinum glove uh, that Rawlings have given him, you know, as yeah, I saw for, that, for the players him, to, yeah. He gave him a glove that had a gold patch and a silver patch and a, and a platinum patch. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was so cool to see that moment. It, it sucks, you know, because we've seen Carlos grown – from this rising star to like one of the best shortstops in the game. And, but I mean, you, you're happy for him too, because he deserves to get a, whatever he gets, um, you know, gets to do. Yeah, for sure. So moving on Astros again, are 10 and O top of the American league West now, and we are headed to the nation's capital for a three game series with the Washington Nationals this weekend. Uh, the Nationals are are not the same team that they were when they won the World Series a couple of years ago. Yeah, they're not even close to that. <laughs> not they've lost a lot of those core guys. Uh, they still have a couple of, of their younger guys still around. They are sitting at eleven and twenty two, which is good for last place in the National League East. Um, and it, it, it's going to be. Uh, I, I just I feel like this is going to be a weird series. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, it just feels like one of those series where not necessarily that things go wrong, but that there's just a bunch of weird shit that goes down. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. But I think that starts for me in the, in uh, these, these starters, we've got Josiah Gray in game one, Eric Fetty in game two and Patrick Corbin in game three. And I, I, I've never, I honestly have never heard of Eric Fetty. Um, to, to be completely honest. And then Patrick Corbin, I, I completely forgot, was a, a national. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about this series, just kind of at a glance? Um, Josiah Gray, we've seen in the World Series. I mean, we tagged him in uh, one of the games over there. Patrick Corbin was a different – he was an Arizona pitcher when he came to the World Series pitching against us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen them two guys, Eric Fetty – of course, like you said, we've never seen, but being able to attack, um, you know, these starting pitchers is one of the most key important things when it comes to a game. You've got to start strong and you're on the road, too. And I doubt Washington has any fans right now because, like you said, after 2019, everything went downhill for them. They just started trading players. They gave yeah. away, you know, well, that's why I, that's why I thought I thought they traded Patrick Corbin away like two years ago, like in 2020. I thought he was gone. No. Now nah, the thing with him, he signed a big contract with Washington, I want to say. So gotcha. um, he, he's going to be in Washington for a while. But, um, of course, we got the Juan Soto's still there. Um, Josh Bell, too. I mean, he's, he was a good player when he was with Pittsburgh. 
And then when they he got traded to uh, Washington, it was shocking because uh, New York was one of the favorites to get him to help uh, them boost, booster their uh, first base depth. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a weird series. We got Framber in game one. We got the legend Odorizzi in game two. And, of course, Justin Verlander in game three. Yeah. So, right well, now, it that- don't look – that's all up in the air. Technically, Astros have not confirmed their starters um, with the with the off day on Monday. That is why Javier pitched in in Sunday's game was just mm-hmm. to, so he could he could get some work and, and not miss his day in the rotation just so we could keep things straight. But yesterday or on on Wednesday, Verlander said he was he'd be ready to pitch on four days rest um, if needed. So I don't, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with the rotation as of right now. I would assume that we, we go with what we have here and we go from Burr, Odorizzi, Verlander. Um, you know, I think if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll see. And I mean, he goes. only, we'll he only how... pitched 80, 80 something pitches too. Yeah. Like you said. So, um, yeah, I mean, as long as he does his band work and, you know, his pre pregame routine, I mean, I think he'll be fine. Of course, it's against Washington too. The only offense they got is, Juan Soto, and you know it'd be crazy if he comes out of there with the loss, for sure. So as as we head into these series, we're both going to give you guys one thing we want to see, one thing we need to see, and one thing we do not want to see. So Lorenzo, go ahead and why don't you start us off with what's something you want to see? So the biggest thing I want to see coming into Washington, our nation's capital, pitching continue to dominate. Without Lance McCullers Jr. still, of course, he's still out for the season until maybe, you know, we'll see him in ending of June or just maybe after the All-Star break. Um, pitching is continuing to dominate is the biggest thing. I mean, they've been doing it for a while now. They've only allowing three runs max, and that was just yesterday's game. So, um, yeah, starting pitching, continue to dominate. For Amber, we would need a good outing from him. I think his last outing wasn't the best. He gave up nine hits. Um, so we'll we'll see if he gets that ground ball routine like he always does. Jacob Odorizzi, he, he's three and zero after them last three starts with the .52 ERA. So we we hope we continue to see the same Jake Odorizzi as of now. And then Justin Absolutely. Verlander being the ace that he is, you know, it's that's the chain of command, dude. Like that that guy's just. It's like it's like Altuve with the offense. If JV goes with the pitching, everybody's gonna follow what he does after, for sure. Uh, and, and as for me, I want, and I'm saying it's a want because it's certainly not a need, and I'm not gonna be completely upset if it doesn't happen. <laughs> I want to sweep these guys <laughs> straight up, plain and simple. This is a not great ball club. Uh, they won the World Series in our house two years ago. We're on a 10 game win streak. And, you know, obviously, who doesn't, you know, when you got the win streak's got to win and end at some point in time. But I don't want it to be during these three games in DC. I would really like to sweep the Nats. And I think we definitely have the pitchers. Uh, if it does hold up that way, Corbin versus Verlander should be a good, a good pitching matchup for uh, game three of that series. But I, I would really just like to keep this thing rolling. And again, yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's a want. It's a want. Maybe it's foolish to believe in 13 straight wins, but uh, it's something I would like to see. And it's possible. I mean, it's Washington. Nothing, you know, going against them. But 
you know, we just have to go in there, handle our business. And just what we did with Minnesota, we got to continue hitting, got to continue pitching. That's the most biggest things, you know, going into the game. So, you know, we see, we said the things that we want to see. How about one thing that we need to see? Man, for me, it, it's getting to the point where I need to see Yuli producing. Um, yes. I, I think we're about we're, – we're just under like 20% of the way through, this, through this, the season right now, which is crazy to think about. But point being, we're, we're a month and a half into the season, getting close, um, and he's struggling. And, you know, obviously you have a guy who's 38 – and coming off of a career year, you expect some regression, but uh, I don't think anyone's really expected just how That's poorly, bad. yeah, we just how poorly Yuli's played. Uh, doesn't have a home run, which I mean, you know, he's not, he's never been this big, huge power hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, over his last 10 games, he's hitting 135, uh, which is just not good for a guy that you got hitting, hitting six in your lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or fifth. Um, but it, I need to see him taking that step forward because as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, you know, that becomes something that, man, do we need to explore the possibility of, of another first baseman? What do we do with Goodrum and Diaz? And, you know, obviously we love Yuli, love Yuli to death, uh, grateful for him and to him. And I'm sure that he'll, I, I hope that he sticks with the organization for a long time uh, after he, he hangs the cleats up. But, you know, at, at a certain point, you can't hold on to a guy that that's much, that's that much of a, of a liability. And 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 Yuli plays good defense. Yuli plays good defense, but you know, getting some some offensive productivity in there is going to be important as well. And as, if we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, and we're still seeing this from Yuli, that's going to become a bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would I really need to see Yuli start taking a step in that direction. And I think the main thing is. So I was looking at his his stat cast today. He is he is lifting more balls than he has ever in his career, like at, at a rate 20, 20% higher than he ever has in his career. And he's also mm-hmm. going opposite field more often than any time he has in his career. So, you know, it makes you wonder if it's not necessarily that he's, he hasn't really lost his power, but if he's just got a different approach at the plate that he's been working on or he's, his timing's off or something um, – that you hope is fixable, right? So yeah. hopefully we, we can get you know the hitting coaches could get in there with him and and man, that's my need and and I really yeah. need, need it to start as soon as possible. Yeah, and the surprising thing with that, like I was saying, like he went into the off season, he gained not gained, he lost ten pounds or something like that, and he had gained more muscle. And you thought like when he did that, I was like, when I saw that, my first reaction was like, oh man he's going to be better now he's going to get better you know if this was a yuli gurriel that was batting over 300 winning the batting title and he had this much weight and he's losing 10 to 15 pounds now he's feeling lighter than ever you know you would think that he's going to be continuing to smash the ball and and it's crazy like you said you know he's batting 135 over his last 10 games he's lead he's like third in the mlb right now tied with third in the MLB with 11 doubles. I mean, like I said, he's the king of the which, two baggers. Go ahead. And, and yeah, which is crazy. And then they're all – I think we had, we had that stat on – was that Tuesday's podcast about how 
Like nine of his 11 doubles have come with no runners on base or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just unfortunate for us Astro fans, like you said, because we love La Pina. And to, like, look into the trade deadline and look for another first baseman, oh, I mean, it would be – it, w- it would be difficult, but of course, it's a business too. We got to, you know, if we want to continue winning games and winning the World Series, yeah, we got to make some moves like that. We do not want to do that, but I mean, unless you do a lineup change with Yuli, and we've talked about that before with putting him in the seven hole and putting Tucker in the six hole, you know, something to like, you know, change it up a little to get his confidence back going. Yeah. And um, I mean, we saw that in the World Series too, that he wasn't producing as much um i don't know it's just it's like you said it's a it's a need that we need to see before we take another step forward into looking at somebody else for sure and you know especially coming in this weekend when we're seeing a guy that's playing on the other team that's playing first base and hitting the ball really well and josh bell um so lorenzo what's something that you need to see so one thing that i need to see is this offense continuing to score more than three runs? They have been doing that, and it's been great to see over these last, you know, 10-game winning streak that we've been having. I mean, they've been doing that so far. Since the last home game against Detroit on Mother's Day, they have scored more than three runs. And, you know, they've had five on Mother's Day. They hit two five games um, in the series of Minnesota, and then they had that big 11-run game. So, Continuing to see this, you know, scorching offense into Washington, especially with the sub 500, you know, team is like it's just like batting practice. We just got to continue hitting the ball, hitting the ball and scoring more runs for our pitching because we don't know if the pitch is going to continue to do that, you know, more down the road or we, we just have to see, you know, we have to help our pitchers out. We don't know Absolutely. if they're going to continue using that same you know zero runs two runs one run um like our kitty for instance he gets a lot of help for the offense when he comes to pitch and he's winning games you know two one as his record yeah so like um, statistically our pitchers like are not going to keep up this pace you know like that yeah we know we know baseball well enough to know and you know the numbers well enough to know that it's the pace that our pitchers are on is not sustainable for an entire season it's going to come and go so getting the offense back in gears is, is absolutely critical. And then, like you said, they're showing signs of getting in that direction, but definitely need, need to see that continuing to progress. Yeah, definitely, man. It's just continuing – the offense continuing to stay hot because if they're staying hot, dude, MLB better just watch out because whenever the Astros start getting hot, it's going to get scary. It's going to get deeper. And um, – <laughs> Yeah, especially with Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez right now is finding his groove. Jeremy Pena is continuing to hit the ball in a nine-game hitting streak. Altuve is coming back from injury, hitting over 400. I want to say now he's hitting over 300. Um, You know, King Tuck hitting home runs in the series. Um, Man, it's it's Uncle Mike being the professional hitter that he is, dude. It's just when you get this lineup going, it's going to be scary. So, yeah, hopefully we continue, you know, like I said, need to see that in this Washington series, but um, you know, we talked about the positives and everything like that. Now, one thing do you not want to see, you know, coming into this series in Washington? There's, you know, like we said earlier, there's not a lot about this team that is left over from that 2019 series, 
Um, a lot of those guys are on different teams or they're, they've retired since then. But you know who hasn't? Is Juan Soto. I want to see as little of that dude as possible <laughs> over this weekend. I, I would – and I, I know well enough to know that he's probably going to come up with some, some very good hits and make a few plays, but I would just prefer to not hear his number called for as long as we can this weekend. Uh, the kid is pretty phenomenal, a pretty phenomenal talent, obviously. Um, coming into the season, he had, he had, I think, the third highest MVP odds in the National mm-hmm. League or second. He, he was top three MVP odds. Um, so he, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty awesome young ball player. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't want to see him at all. I don't want to see his name on the stat sheet unless it's got a bunch of zeros following it. Um, which I think our pitching staff, the way they've been playing, I mean, look, we, but Byron Buxton did not play in the first game against Minnesota and he's been as hot as anybody, uh, you know, before his little, his little injury there. Um, he was as hot as any hitter in baseball and he didn't get anything done against our pitching staff, uh, in two out of those three games. That yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, so I, I, I want to hopefully see our pitchers attacking him and, shutting him down. I, I, I do not want to see a lot of Juan Soto. Uh, what about you? What do you not want to see? So, yeah, I agree. I mean, Juan Soto is the biggest one of them all, dude. I mean, the I just saw a crazy stat right now that he has eight home runs and 11 RBIs. From eight home runs, you only have 11 RBIs. That is just mind-blowing to me. That's like, you know, that's basically because a home run is one RBI. So, right. Where are the three RBIs? You know, it's kind of crazy to see that. And uh, but Josh Bell has been hitting, like you said, really good for them. He's in at 345 right now. Yeah. Um, it's been basically the Josh Bell and Juan Soto show for them. Yeah. So um, but like you said, yeah, Juan Soto being the biggest. But I think my biggest takeaway and I mean, it's a Astros tradition almost. I swear it's almost like every year they do this losing a series against a below 500 team. It's, uh, you know, we're on a hot streak right now. We're winning. We've won 10 games so far. It could just just happenly just lose like that in a snap of a finger against the Washington Nationals. You know, um, yeah. we've had yeah. our droughts with that, dude. Like, it's just been kind of hard for us to beat these below 500 teams. So to lose a series against that, to end your winning streak, too, against a team like that, I mean, it's kind of, that'd be kind of brutal to end it down. I know like that. Yeah. And, you know, we, so far this year, I feel like we've, we've handled those, uh, those sub 500 teams pretty well. I mean, granted for yeah. a while, we, we were a sub 500 team there for a couple of days. Um, but I, I definitely think we're not really in one of those situations where we, we have to worry about that um, as much as we have in years past, but definitely something to uh, keep an eye out for. Um, oh yeah, it's like it's like when I had told y'all um about the Seattle Mariners, I was like, do not sleep on this lineup, even though their lineup was not doing well when we went to Seattle that first series and we almost got swept. So yeah. it's like seeing that with the 500 teams, I'd be like, ooh, you know, hey, we're winning them and everything. Let's you know, just don't just keep pushing the gas, basically keep pushing the gas on the pedal. Do not let them, you know, see above water, things like that. We got to continue doing. Absolutely. So that's it for our preview for the upcoming series versus the Washington Nationals. The Astros will kick that series off uh, in D.C. on Friday night tonight at 6 o'clock. 
uh, playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday before heading on to Boston for our first rematch of last year's ALCS uh, of the season. So now we're going to head off before the Astros roundup. We're going to kick you guys over to a very special interview. It is our first guest to appear on Full Seam Ahead. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it is Mr. Bobby Dynamite. Uh, many of you know him from Twitter. You definitely know him if you've been to an Astros game or seen him on TV. Uh, and he was an absolute pleasure to have on and talk to. He's got some awesome stories uh, about being an Astros fan and about working the pretty cool job that he has. And uh, yeah, so definitely enjoy that interview. That'll be coming right up, and then we'll be back with you for the Astros Roundup. All right, welcome, folks, to our very first interview on Full Seam Ahead. We are very thrilled tonight to have with us the one, the only, Mr. Bobby Dynamite, the locomotive conductor inside Minute Maid. You know him. You've seen him. You've watched that train go by on the tracks. We've got him here with us tonight to just talk a little baseball and talk about uh, such a unique and, and awesome job. So, Bobby, we're very happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks Ooh. for the invite, guys. I appreciate y'all letting me come on. Absolutely. So yeah. I think that the number one question that most people have, I know when I was when I was little, I'd you know go watch and see that train go by and just wonder, how do you get a job like that? Because, I mean, I'd say for a lot of Astros fans, that's a, a dream job. So how did you come into such luck? Man, uh, I was just at the right place at the right time. Uh, to be honest with you, when I was a kid, I was going to games in the Dome. So to say that, you know, driving the train at, at, at the ballpark was a dream job when I was a kid, you know, it didn't exist. So, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, like I said, I was in the right place at the right time. In uh, 2000, I interned with the Astros. I was in the tour department. And the, um, my supervisor, a guy by the name of Michael Kenny. He was the train driver for that first year uh, at what was then called Enron Field. Enron Field. Right. So uh, when the Astros moved over from the Dome to, to uh, Enron, Mike, or before they moved to, the, uh, to Enron Field, Michael was actually general admission, who was a guy who would sit in center field and would fire off the cannon every time the Astros hit a home run. So he did that wow. the last uh, five or six years of uh, when the team was there. So anyway, fast forward to 2000, he's the guy on the train and he also runs the tour department. And uh, I was one of the interns. And after the 2000 season, he took a promotion within the team. Uh, he still leads our, our customer service uh, department, which is all the ushers, ticket takers, and uh, the, that, that personnel. And so they needed somebody else to drive the train. And I was like, well, you know, I'm around, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> and um man, you know, uh, I thought I'd do that for a year and see what happens. And now here we are, uh, my 22nd year with the team uh, or 22nd year on the train, uh, wow. 23rd with the team. So yeah, I'm just, uh, wow. right place, right time. And they haven't been able to get rid of me since. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's an awesome story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's just fascinating too like how you said you came from the astrodome too, watching all the games you know watching the good teams you know from the 80s the 90s mm -hmm. and um so but how did you end up with the name bobby dynamite huh. so about I, I didn't have a name i was just the the guy on the train really um and then in i guess it was 2004 
2005, somewhere in there, literally the game right before we left for the All-Star break, um, we decided uh, we were going to launch a skit with me. And it was going to be me up on the train doing the dance from the very end of the Napoleon Dynamite, from the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Where, uh, the can't heat, the Jamiroquai, all, all of that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and it was, well, I can't dance. So uh, I, I, I threw it out there to uh, Kirby Kander, who Kirby at the time was our uh, director of ballpark entertainment. And I was like, hey, Kirby, I got this idea. Um, let's let's give it a shot and you know kirby you know real real neat creative guy open-minded he's like uh, all right let's let's give it a whirl and so i got up there and he's like okay we're gonna do it in whatever inning and uh they played the thing from napoleon dynamite and they put me side by side <laughs> with, with uh, napoleon so i was you know mimicking the moves that he was doing uh-huh. and for whatever reason i mean the crowd the crowd ate it up you know nice. uh yeah, yeah. I got I got back to the to our uh, offices uh, after the ball game, and Kirby and I had both had a grin ear to ear. It's like, oh my gosh, we got something here! And so um, they after the uh, after the All Star break, we came back, and uh, he said, "Hey, we want to do that again, but we we kind of jazzed it up a little bit." And they had like a a, a frame that they used, and on top of that frame, it said Bobby Dynamite, and so that's there you go. Kind of how I got, yeah, that's, that's how awesome. I got the name. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah, and it sucks because like, it's like, well, you don't have a name. We don't know what else to call the uh, call the the skit, so we'll just call it Bobby Dynamite. So that's how. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That, that's awesome, and that's a fun like little piece of two thousands trivia nugget. You know, I mean, how many kids? <laughs> yeah. How many kids going to games these days have seen Napoleon Dynamite? You know, we're right at you know the end of that, Aged. I guess. But yeah. Um, definitely cool kind of going back to that that run back there in the mid 2000s so you said your 22nd season you come every home game you're there for most of us you know lucky to make it to a few games a year and I'm always amazed I could just spend all day Mm -hmm. observing Mm -hmm. the experience but for someone who does it every day what is your your favorite thing that every day you get to see like what never gets old about being at the juice box Oh man, honestly, it's walking into the ballpark and just seeing it open there in front of, front oh, of everybody. Yeah. You, you walk in and yeah. you just see this expansive green. Uh, usually by the, by the time I get there, the Astros are, are starting batting practice and, you know, just, just seeing the guys out there, you know, some of them getting extra work in, uh, you know, just uh, messing around, shagging, fly balls, uh, grounders, taking extra infield, you know, whatever it is they do, just, just that. Right. It's yeah. almost like a calm before the storm, you know, yes. uh, before the gate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're contained at the moment. And then, you know, the gates open and, you know, it, it, it becomes just a, a great party, you know, with, with yeah. uh, us and the fans. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely understand that, like, calm before the storm. Like, you know, it's, Mm-hmm. peaceful and but there's like that uh that excitement building like the promise of there's going to be a baseball game here in just a little bit you know definitely yeah. a cool feeling for sure yeah and as a fan too just coming into the stadium you know after a long day of work or even having the kid at school you know mm-hmm. it's all that family time and building that relationship with your friends being able mm-hmm. to come out there to the ballpark seeing smiling faces fans giving each other high fives and then that 30 minute mark before first pitch 
uh-huh. we get to see that train come out and just hear the little choo-choo little theme songs, whatever they have <laughs> on the train. Yeah. Um, but about the job though, um, yeah. we've, we, there's been a historic moments over there at Minimate. I can, you know, just naming off some of the top of my head, Jeff Kent's uh, NLCS home run, um, uh, George Springer's 17 home run, everything like that. So this is a two-part question. One, what is your favorite home run or moment you've got to witness? And then the second part, of course, being the least uh, home run you've got to witness. And I'm pretty sure I can name two already, and that's Albert Pujols in 05 and Jorge Soler in 21. Oh, well, why am I even here? <laughs> you already answered it. Um, let's see. I'd say for, for me, uh, my, my, my all-time favorite home run is my first one, uh, which was a Daryl Ward Grand Slam on opening day of 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. that was, that was my first, uh, official home run. Um, it was that moment where I kind of got jolted from, I'm not just a fan. I, I have something I have to do. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was, <laughs> it, it was a really cool moment. Uh, it was a no doubter into, into right field. Uh, and, you know, just, just wa- watching it go over and, you know, uh, Obviously, the the way the crowd reacts to a to a grand slam hits differently, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you know just that, that grandeur of of opening day. Um, that was uh, you know the, the, there was just so many, and my first my first official game yeah. up on the train. So there, yeah, for so there was a lot of a uh, lot of little things that added up to to make that that one my favorite. Um, yeah. As far as my least favorite, uh, you know, uh, it's easy to you know talk about you know Solaire or or Pujols and and all of that, but honestly, it was the Howie Kendrick. Uh, oh Ryan yeah, yeah. Game, I did not uh, even think game about seven. that one. Yeah, I, I uh, guess I've done a good job of repressing that from my memory. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That I mean, you know, with um, with the with the Pujols home run, we came back and won. Right. You know yeah. that that yeah, that took some thing off. Uh, with the Solaire home run, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, well, fine, that was Atlanta's year. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, I mean, you could say the same thing for, for the Nationals in 19, but just uh, just the way uh, the, the entire momentum shift shifted after that, that home run. And I mean, it just barely glanced off the, the, the pole and, you know, mm-hmm. opposite field. Yeah. I mean, every, how many things had to go wrong or I guess right, you know, if you're a national fan <laughs> right. for, for mm-hmm. that, for that ball to be a home run, you know, exactly. you know an inside out swing opposite field and glances off the, off the pole. Yeah. So it's like, you know, how do you, how, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a tough one <laughs> yeah. to swallow. That's a, I know I, I was I wasn't at the game. I wish I could have. Well, maybe not. But um, <laughs> I just remember in, in in our living room, we were both together with some of our friends, and you know, like you said, that momentum, and you just kind of everybody's energy just went down. You know, do you being at the vantage point you are, you know, being relatively disconnected from the crowd, does it real like do you have a good uh, like kind of temperature check for the crowd? You can feel that energy ebb and flow from your vantage point. Oh, a- absolutely, and it uh, and that's kind of one of the 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 tough parts of, of the job is that um, no matter what, I'm, I'm always I'm always up. And the, the I, I guess the funny thing about that is is when it comes to my 
I grew up an Astros fan. So rooting for the Astros is all I know. Right. I have no idea what it's like to be a fan of any other team. So I am absolutely 100% all in on the Astros. Exactly. So uh, I don't care if it's 10 to nothing after one or 10 to uh, nothing uh, going into the bottom of the ninth. To me, as long as we got out, we have life. Absolutely, so, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, so um, my, my, my feeling is, is, you know, whatever optimism I have, uh, you know, I've had fans kind of, you know, uh, get after me, you know, like, you know, at game six of the 21 World Series, like, let it go, it's over. It's like, hell no, it's not over. No, never, right, exactly. We, we got, again, we got out, we yeah. got life, you know. Um, I mean, we, we, we didn't really do anything uh offensively in that game but i didn't care yeah i you know yeah. uh deep down in my heart i knew we had a chance and it just didn't didn't happen for us so yeah um we got out we got life and absolutely i'm, I'm all in all in is all i know oh yeah so kind of, kind of piggybacking off of that for as long as you've been around the organization both as a fan and then being a part of the organization and having a role on game day, there's been some hills and valleys, right, for this organization over the over, you know, the last 20 years, especially over the last decade and a half. So, yeah. how, you know, compare like now to the early 2010s, those rough years, you know, what do you think has changed the most as far as I mean, obviously, the, the energy is different. A ring is different. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, mm -hmm. what, what are some of the, the subtle things that you've seen change from inside the organization? Um. I would have to say it's it's the expectation. Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The and th this is this is not a knock whatsoever on on the uh, previous regime and the previous players uh, that uh, we had with you know from 2000 to you know 2012. But it always felt like uh, you know during our playoff runs that you know yeah we were. It, it, well, I don't know. It's hard to say that we were expected because, you know, or what the expectations were because we were the wild card team. But with right. the teams we had, it just still mm -hmm. felt like uh, we were happy to be there. Yeah. And yeah. It was the so underdog. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, not even an underdog, just happy to be there and whatever yeah. happens, happens. And, it happens. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, we had Hall of Famers on those teams. You know, we had uh, it just, it, it was just a weird dynamic. And then to, you know, to tear it down and then just see the glimmers of hope from the, you know, what was in the farm system and, and watching them come up, watching them grow uh, and be successful in, in our minor league system and watching them win and establish, you know, a consistent winning culture in the minor league system and then bring that up to, to the big league club uh, and yeah, it, it totally changed uh, our expectations as, as a fan. And, and that part I'm speaking as a fan, mm -hmm. uh, right. watching like, hey, you know, we get in the playoffs, uh, you know, something good is going to happen. We expect something good to happen. And, you know, I mean, look at the first, our, our, our return to the playoffs in, in 2015. You know, we're, mm -hmm. you know, just a few outs away from knocking off who would have been the eventual World Series champion. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. in Kansas City we could have finished them in four games and you know we just weren't there yet and 
you know, Kansas City was a really, really special team that year. They and, and they went and won it all. And, you know, it was one of those things like that's who we could be. And we're we're really, really close. And we expect to be there. And then to to see it happen and and have this this run of success that we've had, it's it's really uh gratifying as again, as a fan mm-hmm. to uh see those expectations met absolutely yeah for sure seeing from the farm system just setting up too when we got to see Correa we got to see Altuve we got to see Springer in 15 and you know Correa had a historic game I think it was game four game five they hit them two or three home runs in the Crawford boxes and then just to see that continue on to 16 to 17 being a World Series champion and then next thing you know we're having a dynasty as well and it's still continuing to go so I mean, it's great to see, but what are your top three moments? I mean, we've talked about home runs and everything like that. You can include that in these moments, but what are mm-hmm. your top three moments being up there in that train? Uh, Craig Biggio's 3,000th hit uh, was, yeah. was, was so, spe- so special. Um, uh, he, he's somebody that I watched, you know, growing up uh, as a kid and getting mm-hmm. to, to see him and his career uh, encapsulated by that that moment of of, of you know, when, when he got that hit, you know there there was this uh, wave of of emotion, not just you know being happy for Craig that he got the hit, but mm-hmm. sure. as a fan, finally seeing you know uh, that greatness legitimized right. to, to the yeah. world um, mm-hmm. and. And I guess every fan base could say this, but, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's been a blind eye turned to what the great, uh, the greats of our, our organization. We never had a Hall of Famer. And when Craig Biggio got that 3,000 hit in 2008, it's like, hey, there is an Astro that is going to be in Cooperstown, and he's going to go mm-hmm. in as an Astro. Astro. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, uh, you know, there, there's, there's the, the 3000 hit club is a very elite club. It's, it's, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. very special club, but think about how many guys have got their 3000 hit all with one organization. Exactly. You know, I mean, look, Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken, uh, Robin Yount, Derek uh, Jeter. Did you, I'm sorry, who? Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Is one Derek, too, Derek right? Jeter the, yeah. The last mm-hmm. one. So, you know, that, that's a very, very elite, um, Roberto Clemente uh, group. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. to, uh, to, to have that, to, to have him get his 3000 hit, not only as an Astro, but all of them as an Astro, I think really, really legitimized, uh, not just his greatness, but what we as fans believed all along that, you know, our guys are great. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, I, there, there, there's a lot of, for me, that being uh, a, a top three moment, there's a lot to unpack there. And sure. those are a lot of the reasons Definitely. why. Uh, game seven of the 2017 uh, American League Championship Series. Um, yeah. After everything that we went through as a city uh, with, mm-hmm. the, with the floods and uh, just try, trying to rebuild and, you know, everything that, uh, that we endured 
all the, all those hardships and all those frustrations and being a member of the organization and being able to take fans out of those troubles for even just a few hours a day and give them something to to cheer for and to uh to be a part of and uh you know all when when that uh that pop fly landed in george springer's glove uh for the final out in in the uh 17 alcf yeah it was um uh i i still get emotional thinking about it because there there Mm -hmm. was uh, there was so much on that top fly. There was so many frustrations, so many, so much heartache. And when it landed in his glove, you know, it was just pure joy. So, uh, yeah, in the ballpark, I'd say that's number two. And the number three would probably be uh, the Jeff Kent home run. And <laughs> the Jeff Kent home run in, in the 2004 uh, uh, NLCS. NLCS, that was, so that was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. So mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's Let's uh, kind of unpack that game here for a moment. Brandon Batsky takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning of that ball game. He's mm-hmm. facing off against Woody Williams, who's a Houston guy. Yeah. Woody uh, took a one-hitter into the seventh inning. A lot of that is forgotten about <laughs> what that pitching matchup was. It was one of the – so just that back and forth, you know, mowing everybody down uh, – uh, j- just to get to that to, to that point, mm-hmm. uh, you have Jason Isringhausen who gave up the home run to Kent. He was, you know, probably the most dominant closer in the league that year. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> my, my my favorite memory though with with the Jeff Kent home run is that was the very first time I'd e- ever seen the ballpark actually shake. Oh. So, <laughs> so I'm driving. So you know. Uh, I mean, the ball was gone off the bat. The ball was gone out of out of Isringhausen's hand. I mean, the whole ballpark knew yeah. it was gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I'm driving the train down, and I'm looking at 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 the uh, at the, uh, the the stands, and I can actually see the concrete wobbling. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> but honestly, I thought it was just me, you know, uh, like my in my excitement. Right. So mm-hmm. when I stopped yeah. the train. Uh, I got to the other side of the ballpark. I stopped the train and I stepped out, and I'm still watching it wobble. Like, oh, <laughs> this is this is crazy. But um, I, I, yeah, those are uh, probably my three favorite moments uh, at, at Minute Maid Park. To piggyback on the 17 series, I was at that game too. And when Evan Gaddis had taken that ball deep into left center against CC, I was like, oh, okay we got a chance. Like, this is going to be it. This is going to be yeah. our year. We're going to go into the World Series. And like you said, everybody was going through that mixed emotion from, you know, the hurricane, even the Astros getting to that World Series since 05 as well. And mm-hmm. just just seeing that just excitement from everybody, you know, you can see people shedding tears. You can see people high-fiving each other, just random yeah. people, random fans just having that excitement just to build them up from that tough year. Yeah. So, so I agree. Yeah, let, 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 I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, so during the parade, uh, I I got to be in the parade, which was one of the craziest awesome. things that has ever happened to me. Um, uh, I'm in, so you know we win Game Seven in LA. Um, uh, we're celebrating. Uh, we we had a watch party at the ballpark, so I was driving the train during the watch party. Uh, I I get to our control room, 
after the ball game and you know we're celebrating and everything and uh one of the guys tells me he's like oh by the way uh you're in the parade i was like what and you know they showed me like they were, and there was a press release already made up like hey you know uh you know the uh the astros joined by you know our at&t crew julia uh, tk and blummer and orbit the shooting stars and uh uh, train driver Bobby Dynamite. I was like, holy crap, I got name dropped in the first. <laughs> so I get to the, we, we, we get to the parade and everything. And uh, I'm like, okay, so, you know, what do y'all, what do y'all need me to do? And they're like, well, um, you need to get up, uh, they, you need to get up there and you need to get up there now because you're leading this thing through downtown. And I was like, what? You know, not <laughs> oh only was God. I in the parade, I was leading it. And so they had this huge train uh that they that they use for some of the other parades and so i mm-hmm. jumped in we got up into that train and everything and uh so we were talking about you know the the emotions and uh just having to go from the floods and, and all that devastation mm-hmm. and loss from hurricane harvey uh one of the things that i'll, I'll never forget from the parade <laughs> sorry this, this one's still tough for me to talk about because it it this is kind yeah. of what makes it made everything so real uh, we're going down the streets of downtown uh, and we're looking out and there's people uh, holding up portraits mm-hmm. of you know, what turned out like just these relatives like yeah. you, know, uh, you know grandma watching uh, our, our first world championship parade for the best seat mm-hmm. in the house and I'm yeah. like holy crap man you know it's yeah. like give me a yeah. moment guys <laughs> uh, how, and uh it, it, it was just one of those things that like stuck with me and, and it, it kind of and, and i and i hate to even insinuate that i take anything for granted mm-hmm. with with what i get to do with the astros but it really made me say see a a, a big picture mm-hmm. um uh, a friend of mine who who uh worked with the the Red Sox in in uh 2004 when when they finally won it all uh you know he I you know he and I were just chit-chatting one day and I was like so what was that like uh as far as you know the 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 emotions and you know watching the fans who 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 have wanted that for so long finally get it and he goes no matter what anybody tells you no matter even what I tell you you're not going to be ready for it. And so I was like, okay. And I just, I, I, I didn't think about that moment until we're driving uh, through, or we're, we're, we're in the parade through downtown. And, you know, again, people holding up those portraits of their, their family member that's gone so they can see, watch the parade mm-hmm. with them, see the world Absolutely. series trophy, watch us go through downtown. So yeah, that's, uh, like I said, I still get emotional talking about that because it was one of those, it was, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I hate to sound like I, I take any of this for granted, but that was like my aha moment with right. the Astros. Yeah. Bigger than baseball. Big time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So we'll get close here. Um, obviously, you have a pretty cool office. Not many people can call Minute Maid Park their home. You've been there since its beginning. You talked earlier about your transition from the you know growing up going to games at the Dome versus now Minute Maid. 
Are there any Easter eggs in Minute Maid, little hidden designs people can keep their eyes out for, or any little secrets of the park that only the chosen few know? Oh, man, you know, <laughs> um, there was, and I, we've, we've done so much renovations in the ballpark, and um, <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to disappoint you, man, but I cannot think of one, because we've moved so many <laughs> things around, uh, and so... I used to kind of have free reign of the ballpark, you know, kind of go where mm-hmm. I wanted, but, you know, we, we've had the pandemic protocols have changed and I know a lot of things mm-hmm. in a lot of areas have changed. So, man, I don't know. <laughs> and I hate saying <laughs> that, but uh, if it's so many, like I said, so many things in the, in the ballpark have changed that I, I don't know. I, I'll probably have to go and just um, uh, run around one day and see where, where I can sneak into and, and get a look again. But um, yeah, it's it, it's been a while, so I hate to say it. I don't know, but I no, don't well, know. <laughs> if you don't want to tell us about the secret vault underneath the field where we have all the extra all the extra Altuve hamstrings laying around for winning to make a replacement, <laughs> you don't want to tell us about it. We'll uh, we'll keep it cool. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you witnessed a lot of great teams too. You know, oh four, oh five, uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Now we got the 2022 Astros. Obviously, George Springer is gone, and our biggest one, too, was Carlos Correa. So what do you think of these 2022 Houston Astros so far? We're in first place. Yeah, we are. Definitely. <laughs> we won Definitely. 10 in a row. Exactly. Uh, what is it? Five, stri- uh, five shutouts in our last how many games or whatever? Ten games, yep. Dude, we, we're for real. Yeah, we are. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, you know, if anybody wants to debate that, look what's on the field. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stand behind this team through thick and thin. And yeah, mm-hmm. obviously it's a, uh, it's a little bit easier when uh, we're winning, but mm-hmm. again, you know, uh, we're for real. And uh, if the league has a problem, you know, with it, well, we're still for real. That doesn't change. Anymore. Yeah, we are. Come and, come <laughs> yeah. and take it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, our last question is our, our big one, the one that was burning in our minds, and it may end up not being as exciting of an answer as I'm hoping as we're hoping for. But okay. before Minute Maid Park was Minute Maid Park, for those in our audience who may not know, it was originally in Ron Field. So obviously now the train in its wagon is full of oranges which mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I thought were pumpkins and didn't make much sense to me, but they are in fact oranges. Um, so what was there before it was Minute Maid Park? What was the original cargo? Well, uh, let's see. Back in the day, it was, and then we, nah, I'm just messing with y'all, my audio. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I was like, where are you going? <laughs> you stumbled upon the too great of a truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so anyway, that was it, guys. Have, I think those thoughts. Um, it was long. Uh, we had so uh, the the train is supposed to to uh, replicate a steam locomotive from the 1860s. Mm-hmm. So we had logs back there, and those logs had spiders. And I don't like spiders, so that was <laughs> <laughs> a welcome change, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So oh, you, you say a welcome change. So okay, here we go. So that was 2000, 2001. Um, we had the logs in there and then they were in there after, so between Enron Field and Minute Maid Park, it was called uh, Astro Field for a very short time, for like Mm -hmm. three months. 
And uh, so it was still logged. When we renamed it Minute Maid Park, they cleared the logs out. And the original oranges were actually uh, like beach balls or those uh, oh. utility balls that you play dodgeball with. Right. Wow. And they were all spray painted orange. So one day, uh, it, we're, I'm up there and it was like August. It was, you know, 300 degrees outside. And I hear a pop and it scared the crap out of me. I mean, it, it sounded like, you know, almost like a gunshot, you know? Yeah. And it was, I knew it was right next to me. What in the world was that? You know, I'm ducking and trying to figure things out. <laughs> and I, I start, and I, I go and I, and I look at the at the the coal car, and one of the oranges had burst. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell, man?" And so uh, I, I didn't think much of it. And the uh, the next day, same thing, pop, pop. And, you know, a couple more pop. I was like, "Oh my god." So later on that year, um, I, I, they they changed them out and uh, they're like some kind of a uh, cast rosin styrofoam. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a sculpture up, out there up there now. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, logs is what they were uh, in the Enron days, and then uh, Enron and Astrofield days, and then when we uh, switched over to Minute Maid Park, when Minute Maid bought the nanny rights, they uh, they became oranges, not pumpkins. Not pumpkins. Thank you, thank you. They're not. <laughs> yeah, pumpkins. Uh, my conscience can my conscience can rest easy now. <laughs> I have one more question though before yeah, yeah, we sign off. Mm -hmm. So since you know you have your time at Minute Maid and everything like that. And, you know, when the boys go out of town or, you know, all-star break or, you know, the off-season, well, you know, the off-season as well, um, have you visited any other MLB ballparks? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, So uh, I've got 30 parks on my bucket list, and uh, so far I've been to 10 of them. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. What's your so, favorite uh, one you've been, been to so far? Uh, um... Ooh, that's hard to say. I love, uh, I love San Francisco. Oh yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, I love Seattle. Um, I'd say yeah, those those two parks. Uh, Minute Maid obviously is number one. Number one, definitely. Sure, yeah. But uh, and <laughs> but to be honest with you, it's like every every ballpark has its own charm and you mm -hmm. know things that make it unique. Um, you know, I've I've been to Oakland and you know. As an Astros fan growing up in the Dome, <laughs> I actually loved Oakland. I was like, yeah, yeah, this literally reminds me of going to a game in the Astrodome. Uh, yeah. Even in batting practice, the way the, the, the ball echoes off, off the bat in the BC bat. was really like, man, I haven't heard that since 1999. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been to Tampa. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice ball. It's a horrible facility, but it's a nice ballpark. Mm -hmm. uh so you know they, they all have their own charm wrigley i remember finally walking into, Wrig into wrigley field and I, I cheered up i was like holy crap this is really happening i'm at wrigley field so <laughs> um yeah uh i'd say honestly my, my top two just uh uh aesthetically and just what it was like to watch, watch a ball game san francisco and and seattle but you know i i've liked them all yeah, I was able to visit awesome. both of those last summer in awesome ballparks. Awesome experience for sure. Which one? Uh, Seattle and San Francisco. Ah, okay. Now, I haven't been back to Seattle since they put the new scoreboard up or, or gotcha. anything like that. So I, I definitely want to – I understand it's a whole new experience over there, so I definitely want to 
uh, get up there and check it out. Yeah, it, it was weird at both of those games being at a baseball game in the middle of the summer and, and being cold <laughs> and needing to bring a jacket. That was not something I was yeah. prepared for. <laughs> I, I, I've never been to a ball game where people were, you know, they had like uh, hot chocolate vendors going up yeah. and down the, uh, up and down the stairs. Wearing like, beanies and Carhartts, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wasn't so bad but I was freezing it was the middle of July and the the Giants were playing the Brewers and I'm like holy cow it is this is so freaking cold here yeah it's not ready definitely neat experience well Bobby thank you so much for for joining us today yes. uh we're so excited you're our very first guest you get you get that title in yes. perpetuity <laughs> so you can always the bar's been set yeah yeah it's been set very high but again, thank you for joining us. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter or if, if they want to give you a follow? Yeah, sure. It's uh, at uh, Astro Strain Guy. So uh, yeah, right. give me a follow on Twitter. So I'm like, guys, I appreciate the invite. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Bobby. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. I hope you guys enjoyed our interview with uh, Bobby Dynamite. It was awesome having him on and definitely make sure you go give him a, a follow on Twitter. Uh, I think it's at as Astros train guy. Uh, so go give him a follow. Stay tuned. He's always got cool behind the scenes picks and, and uh, very, mo- very motivational. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it was a great interview that we got to, you know, talk to Mr. Dynamite and being able to hear his stories and the memories that he has, you know, were made when he was as a train conductor and being a passion and looking at the Astros back in the nineties, even the eighties, you could say from them teams back then in the dome, uh, just hearing his stories of how he was an Astros fan. And then, you know, being able to land this job, I mean, it's a blessing. And then one of the biggest stories I, I took away from that was that 17, uh, you know, the world series being able to cover that and being able to participate in the parade. And, and it was, it was just a, fantastic uh, you know conversation with him and it was it was it was really amazing yeah it was all right so for our astros roundup today uh obviously some of these things we've already kind of hit on astros are on 10 game winning streak back atop the al west uh the a's did not play i mean not the a's the angels did not play on thursday and how about good old fighting texas aggie and houston astro brooks Rayleigh coming in for the rays uh, on Wednesday night to close it out and and ha- hand the Angels a, a loss that hopefully maybe can start cooling them off a little bit uh, that allow the Astros to move on up into first place with two wins on Thursday. Brooks, yeah, really good, good man. Yeah, man, former Texas Aggie, whoop. Um, yeah, we're even second in the A. I mean, the damn team at the Bronx it just keeps on winning. But, I mean, being yeah. able to be second in that um, – American League is just a good, uh, good start for us. Yeah, it, it is, and it feels like the ship has has started to right. Obviously, I know you can't take anything for granted in baseball, um, and a lot of people are going to point to like the quality of opponents, you know, and playing the Mariners and playing the Tigers and blah 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 blah. But like realistically, who has Los Angeles played? The Angels have played half their game so far against Oakland and Texas. So, I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, and then, like, two, you know, Minnesota is right now – It's they're, they're still at the top of the AL Central. Yeah. You know, Chicago has been regressing 
um, a lot of people thought Detroit was going to be, you know, a great looking team. You know, sadly, we had to give eight. Yeah. And we had to get AJ out of Houston, even though we want him to stay. Um, Mariners, I mean, the Mariners were the biggest, you know, talked about story, you know, through the offseason, even, you know, in the ending of the season of last year. And um, just seeing them kind of regress as well. I mean, they're 14 and 18 right now. And um, but I mean, I still see Seattle coming up, you know, later on through the season. I, I feel like they'll still continue to look at us. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the Angels really haven't played a big, big team yet. And, uh, you know, we, we still we that's our throne still. It's going to be we've been four of the last five years, ALS division champs. And then we've gone to the ALCS five years in a row. Yeah. So they I mean, the, the media, you know, they love their L.A. teams. They love their New York teams. They've got to talk about them. They have to. It's their job. If they don't, it's like kind of like, oh, shit, you know, what's happening in the world kind of thing for them. Yep. And it was funny that the official MLB accounts basically did not talk about Houston until finally today. I think they mentioned JV's game the other night, but other than that, pretty mums the word. Well, yeah, Ben Verlander has to talk about his brother, man. Shoot. I'll, yeah. If that was my brother pitching almost a no-hitter, I'd be talking about him too. For sure. Um, but, yeah, so, again, we talked about this earlier, but Jordan is just crushing it lately, man. Over his last 15 Jordan, games, yeah. 333 batting average, 453 on base, 706 slugging, six home runs and 12 RBIs. Crushing it, crushing the ball. But, you know, I was thinking it's weird with your Don because there's times when it, it it feels like he's not being as productive when he really is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's either, you know, a walkout, a flyout for a sack fly. I mean, he still produces no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, he's still he's still a a big guy in this lineup that we need to continue, you know, hitting and hitting and hitting because that four hole is your RBI, man. And I mean, I, he's been doing a great job. I mean, Jordan right now, you know, in the American league, where well, this is top 10, Jordan's, you know, second in home runs, Aaron judge leads by one with 11. He has 10, um, ninth in runs with 19, 10th in OB uh, on base percentage with the 377 and then third, and slugging percentage with a 615. I mean, Jordan's just tearing the ball right now. He has 71 home runs of 260 games. That record we talked about earlier, you know, through the podcast, uh, Ryan Howard's record still there, 100 home run record with 325 games. That's been the quickest ever in MLB history. Like I said, Jordan has 71 and 260 games. He just needs 29 more in 65 games, which is uh, it could That's happen, a but breakneck pace. I don't, I don't see that happening. It, it he would have to hit two home runs almost like in at least 15 games. I mean, that's yeah. how you break the record right there. But um, I mean, but Jordan just overall, dude, he has been tearing the ball, and this guy should have been an all-star last year. This guy yeah. should have been an all-star last year. And we would have got to – I would have – I was fortunate enough to go to the All-Star game last year in Colorado. I would have been fortunate enough to see him just crush the ball in Colorado, just seeing that ball fly off the bat easily with that – you know, with the with the mounds and everything in the background. And yeah. well, I at see the him very being, least, At the very least, he should be a home run derby invite. He should. Should he take it? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. But – um. He, he has to be starting this year in the all-star 
game. You know, it's, it's ridiculous that he didn't get it last year. I mean, no offense to J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez was doing good last year. I can't remember the second DH at the top of my head right now. But, I mean, he got snubbed on that. But if he does start this all-star, you know, as the DH for the American League, this coming year in Los Angeles, which I will be there to attend to support my guys. The most special thing about that, dude, he will go. He will be going back to L.A. to the Dodgers, the team that had traded him for the <laughs> legend Josh Fields. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not going back to that. Yeah, I don't even think he stepped foot on Dodger Stadium, really. No, you I know, think he's still, he was still an international prospect, wasn't he? I think he had been at least low A starting. Oh, okay. Because when we got him, he was already in double A. With the oh, hooks. yeah, 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 you're right. You're right so, right. um, yeah, Jordan being able to be an all star this year, it's it's gonna happen, it has to happen. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Um, and another guy we talked about last week as a potential all star, I don't know how likely it is as a rookie. I mean, it's definitely possible, but uh, Jeremy Pena is sure playing like an all star right now. Oh, dude, he's dominating right now. I mean, he's not even he, – he doesn't even play like a rookie. These rookies, no. you see Bobby Wood Jr. right now struggling. And he is the – he was the right – Spencer Tokerson for uh, Julio Rodriguez, too, from the Mariners. I mean, everybody thought the top – them top three's prospects were going to be, you know, fighting for that AL Rookie of the Year. And instead, of course, like we've all talked about before, the Astros farm system continues, continues to bring out these rising stars. Uh, Jeremy Pena on this, on this, um, you know, the 10 game winning streak that we got on right now, he has nine games, you know, as a hitting streak over them last nine games. Like we had talked about before the rising stars hitting a 448 with 10 RBIs. And this is club, you know, just the Astros itself. He leaves the Astros in batting average with the 276. Tied for team RBIs with Bregman with 20. Tied for hits with Uncle Mike with 29. And, you know, it, it's great and, and not great to see for Carlos Correa. It's great yeah. for him to see this young man, you know, take over that road that he was at just last year and just show his all-star, you know, capability. But Carlos Acrea, you know, on the other hand, wants to be on that team, you know, winning these games and not be on the sideline and just being with Minnesota, even though they're in first place. But, um, you know, it was interesting, Carl, you know, when they were talking to him, the media was talking to him when we when we got there in Minnesota. Um, Carlos Correa had said about Jeremy Pena and he told Jeremy Pena, too. He's like, hey, Pena, this is most likely going to be your team next year. Yeah. And that was after the World Series that they had lost in, uh, against the Braves. And, that, I mean, we all thought, you know, myself included, we thought that he was going to come back and resign with us. I honestly thought so. I, I went from being very solidly that he was gone to very solidly he was going to stay to being very up in the air. But uh, it's Pena's time now. And the Astros actually tweeted that when uh, the other night after – I was one of Pena's defensive plays or after he scored that. Uh, I think it was the clutch uh, RBI that he did with the bases loaded. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, that, but, that bases loaded single. But they said it's his time. <laughs> and it is his time. I think that's why yeah. I think really, I really think Carlos Correa did that for him. Yes, he wanted money too. But when I think he really helped the Astros organization and being able to show, you know, when you have veterans, like I said, Car- um, 
Robinson Cano, Justin Verlander, Jose Altuve. These guys are all, well, except Robbie, uh, Hall of Fame players. You know, Carlos Correa even said it himself, when I see all-star potential and superstar potential, I know and I, you know, I recognize it quick. And I really think that he did this for the Astros, not just for himself, but for us to continue on, you know, this dynasty that we still, you know, have till today. Um, but Jeremy Pena has been, dude, he's been playing not like a rookie. He's been playing like an absolute all-star. Absolutely. And then again, we talked earlier, but Justin Verlander, man, just you got to love that guy. So my question for you is, you know, he came, he came a couple outs away from throwing uh, his, his second no-hitter with the Astros the other night um, after that, that 2019 no-hitter versus the Blue Jays. And he is going to be, at this point, I would say, uh, in the conversation as a favorite for the American League Cy Young. And if he were to win another American League Cy Young as an Astro, who does he go into the Hall of Fame wearing on his hat? Oh, I mean, that's a great question, honestly, dude. Because, and, I mean, or, when you spend... and or if he wins a world, another World Series with the Astros. It's hard to tell because, I mean, being in Detroit for, what, like six or seven years? Um, I mean, JV was, you know, in his prime. He was young. He was, you know, all the undoubtable stuff that, you know, people have thought about him. I mean, he just continued to dominate, you know, through them years at Detroit. They He took him to a World yeah. Series. You know, sadly, they lost the World Series, but he took him. And, um, you know, fortunately, they lost. But then he comes to Houston. And I remember, like, I remember in the beginning, he, we were not supposed to get him, dude. We were not supposed to get him at all, but freaking Jeff Luno throwing that Hail Mary and, you know, just being able to get him in that last second of the trade deadline and Kate Upton being one of like the most important persons in that trade, because Justin asked her too, like, Hey, you think we should go? And she told him yes. And you know, ever since he's been in Houston, dude, I mean, since joining the Astros in 17, he has a 47-16 record with a 238 ERA, a .82 whip, and a opponent batting average of 181. I mean, it's crazy. Since he's since he's joined us, he's been rock solid. And for him not to end his career and to retire and to get into Cooperstown without that Astros hat on his head when it comes to his plaque i mean it's kind of it's we we all thought i you know personally me i had thought whenever you know his contract had ended last year i honestly or yeah last year i honestly thought he was going to go back to detroit and join me AJ too Hitch. i absolutely I honestly did. thought he was going to go back and i was like okay he's probably going to finish his career there but jim crane just you know brought him back you know willing him in and which you know, at, at some point, Justin Verlander, he he must have wanted to be be here too, like he wanted definitely, to stay yeah. In, you know, it yeah, wasn't necessarily that Crane was throwing money at him. You know, yeah, exactly. And then I think you know Crane giving him as much trust as anybody at that tryout whenever he was thrown for, you know, all thirty two MLB teams. Um, you know, it just showed JV too, and I know like you said too, JV just wanted to stay in Houston, but. I think either 
it's kind of hard to tell because I feel like he could retire with us. It's like Nolan Ryan retiring with the Rangers. I yeah. want to say, right? He retired with the Rangers yeah. and Cooperstown. Cooperstown as a Ranger. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't do shit over there. He didn't, you know, I think he had one no hitter with Texas. And um, did he bring a World Series champion? Obviously not because, you know, that Southern team of Oklahoma has zero World Series rings. And, um, you know, for him to go into Hall of Fame as a Texas Ranger, I mean, I don't see why not JV with or without another AO, you know, Cy Young or another World Series championship ring. He wouldn't come, you know, join us in Houston and, you know, wear that cap in Cooperstown. Yeah, for sure. But, I guess. We'll, but what, what's your take on that, though? We'll like, because see. No, and that, that's yeah. kind of how, how I feel. I mean, I think that, you know, he played for so long in Detroit that I, I, I would understand if he went in as a Tiger. I like my feelings wouldn't be hurt, uh, not in the least bit. But I, I think there's a good chance, especially if he wins another ring. I think there's a good chance he goes in as an Astro, and I think if he wins another Cy Young, probably not. A, Cy Young's probably not as much of a uh, big thing than a World big Series thing ring. As, a, as a ring. But uh, I think I go. I could go either way. But I, I just he'll always be Astros legend to me. Um, regardless of what hat he's wearing in Cooperstown, uh, but but I definitely think he could end up going in as as an Astro. Yeah, it's even thinking about like now because you know Miguel Cabrera obviously is with the Detroit Tigers, right. and you know he got his three thousand hit there. I mean he's making history right now, all right now. And young Miguel Cabrera with that Florida Marlins team when they won the World Series, you know, he was still doing great things over there. I think I don't know if he won Rookie of the Year. I'm not too sure. But that's like saying when his time comes, I mean, obviously he's going to go to Detroit. Yeah. So, but it's just, you know, like you said, whatever JV does, I mean, we're thankful for him no matter what. He brought us our first World Series, you know, trophy to Houston. And whatever he decides to do, I mean, we're backing him up 100%. For sure. Uh, do you want to cut around the league today? Just because, like, if we did it all, like, we're already sitting at about an hour and a half on this episode. Oh, shit. So, um, Unless we just like recap real quick, just like in five minutes max. If you want to do the Brian Cashman read, Dead Murders, and um, you know, not bit, not going in big on that. Unless like that's what I said. We don't have to go uh, too big on it, but it's up to you. Yeah. Uh, or if we just do a bigger around the league on Sunday? Yeah, I mean that's cool with me. Are you sure? Yeah, it don't matter to me. Like I said, whatever you want to do. I mean, we could cut it off right now. Or like I said, we could do like the little like just like the five bullet points of it, or we just hold it off to like do a big one. Yeah, let's well, let's just say like we're gonna do let's say we're gonna do something special for around the league on Sunday, and then we can come up with something something fun <laughs> to do that includes everything. All right, that's fine. That's cool with me. All right, All right so that was our Astros roundup. And if you're a regular listener, you know that now it's time for around the league. But we're gonna go ahead and call it for today because we're gonna do something fun with around the league uh, at the conclusion of this national series. All right. We've got a couple of different things we want to try out for you guys. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you tune into Sunday's episode, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, been a great episode. Obviously I hope you enjoyed our interview with Bobby dynamite uh, looking forward to the Astros taking on the Nats this weekend. Hopefully we can walk out of DC with, with a couple wins uh, or three. Hmm? Who says no? Yeah, I mean, I would hope shoot. <laughs> But um, anyway, thank you guys for joining us. We will see you on Sunday. See you guys.